Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. Today we're continuing a series that we started last week. Uh, Last week we started a series called Killing What's Killing You. And this series, the name of the series comes from a quote by a man named John Owen. And John Owen wrote a book called The Mortification of Sin. And in his book, he said, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. That we've got to be actively working against sin in our lives because sin will slowly encroach on our lives if we're not aware of it, paying attention to it. Uh, What John Owen is saying is something Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5 is that we should take sin seriously, that we shouldn't take sin lightly, that we should understand how it impacts us, that it's not just going to uh, send us to hell, which is what we would hear in sermons growing up, but, but it actually impacts our lives here on planet earth. Uh, Jesus, in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about, about um, the law, and he says to the people, he says, hey, you've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery, but I'm telling you, if you even look at a woman lustfully, you've committed adultery already in your heart. And he says, it is better for you to pluck out your eye and go to heaven with one eye than it is to go to hell with your eyesight fully intact. And what he's saying is, the issue is not just about what we do, but it's about what's resident in our heart, that our hearts matter. So it's not just about behaving or being moral or being kind, it's about making sure our hearts are right with God. And he takes sin so seriously, he says, it's better for you to pluck out your eye. Now, if you came to a church and the pastor said, you need to pluck your eyeball out if you're dealing with lust, you would say, that's kind of extreme, right? That seems like a bit much, but this is how seriously Jesus takes sin. And this is what he's asking us to do, is to take sin seriously and understand its impact and the gravity and the weight. And so what we're gonna do over the next few weeks is just unpack some sin, specifically, and last week we talked about sin in a broad view. Uh, what is it? How does it impact our lives? Um, how does it alienate and separate us and what does it do and so we talked through all that and I would encourage you to go back and listen to that or watch that if you haven't uh, because it lays a good foundation for this week and so this week we're going to be talking about a sin that I think most people don't really feel like is sin and it's the sin of worry and this is one that I feel like is just ubiquitous it's everywhere everyone worries about something today it feels like and if you're not worried you should be worried about that There's something wrong with you if you're not worried. Uh, The media, the news, social media, all these things will tell us what we should be worried about, how we should be concerned, uh, what what is going on in the world we live in today, whether it's the economy or elections or jobs or race issues or COVID-19. We should be worried about all of this stuff. And it is easy to let worry seep into our souls. And if we live a life of sustained worry, we'll never walk in the victory that God asks us to walk in. We're gonna never live with the peace that God has for us as followers of Jesus. We we have to understand that worry is a persistent force working against us in our lives. Robert Elliott was a uh, cardiologist, an MD. Uh, He also wrote um, a couple of books about, on the topic of 
uh, stress and anxiety. And this is what he says. He says, rule number one is don't sweat the small stuff. Rule number two is it's all small stuff. I love this so much because what he does is he puts this in perspective and what he says, a cardiologist is telling us, you worry too much. There are actual, literal, uh, physical, physiological implications for us when we continue to live a life of worry. There are, there are impl- implications for our heart, for our body, we begin to break down, our emotions, our spiritual life, all these things begin to break down when we worry. Well, what is tomorrow gonna look like? Am I gonna have a job? What is school gonna be like? There are moms across America today that are freaking out that their kids may go back to school or may not go back to school. What am I gonna do about work if my kids have to stay home and be homeschooled? There are so many things to worry about in our culture today. And what we do is we just let it sweep over us. And we accept worry as just a part of life. And this is contrary to the word of God. Uh, in Matthew chapter six, so I mentioned Matthew five. In Matthew six, Jesus is, is still preaching the same message. Um, you think I preached long. You would not have wanted to been there for the Sermon on the Mount. It was three chapters. Uh, so Matthew chapter six, he's preaching and he's in a portion of this message where he talks about laying up, for your treasure, or laying up for yourself treasures in heaven. So he's talking about what we value. Do we value stuff on earth or do we value heaven. And it's interesting that he talks about worry in the context of finances. Because I know, I know most of us never worry about money. It was only Jesus that worried about money, right? Like, so we see this in scripture and it's, it's interesting how often we see worry in the context of our possessions or our finances. Because the truth is, we worry about money. Am I going to have enough? Am I going to be able to pay the bills? Are we going to be able to get that house we want? Are we going to be able to We worry about these things. And so this is what Jesus says in Matthew chapter six. Uh, We're gonna start in verse 25 and we're gonna read from the New American Standard Bible and it says this. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body. As to what you will put on, is not life more than food? And this is where I'll be like, "Eh, come on Jesus. (laughs) Have you ever had the meadows before? (laughs) That's pretty good. Is not life more than food, and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? I love that. Are you not worth more than they? Uh, The word worry here in the Greek, it's merimnao, and merimnao means to be troubled with cares. So this is the thing. As human beings, there are things we should care about, but worry transitions from care to caring too much. So we care so much that now um, I'm losing sleep. Now it's beginning to affect my health, it's beginning to affect my marriage, it's beginning to affect relationships, because I care, which we should, but I care too much. I'm troubled with care. It's interesting, another one of the in, uh, definitions for the Greek word merimnao is um, to seek to promote one interest. And this is the thing I understand as a parent, uh, not all of my worries are selfish, but if we're gonna be honest, a lot of the worries I may have are pretty selfish. Um, when things begin to creep up, uh, I'm not immediately defaulting to how is this gonna impact this person or this person. Most of the time it's how does this impact me? 
What does this look like for me? How is this going to take away my income? How is this going to impact my family? How is this going to impact my life? These are the questions we ask, and many times these are the things we worry about. We worry about selfish things many times. Now again, not every time, but what we see in the Greek is still true for us today. Many times, worry is about selfish needs. Uh, when you look at the word meramnao in scripture, um, one of the ways it's most interpreted is to take thought. And again, this is coming back to this idea that, that our worry is really what are we thinking about over and over and over? And how do we think? And are we thinking the best? Or are we thinking the worst? Because we have a choice to make when it comes to our thoughts. We get to decide what we think. And many times we think about the wrong thing. We are imagining the worst case scenario. We're imagining how everything's going to get on the tubes. And as a result, we worry. And, and this word means to take thought. And we're taking thought over and over and over. One of the things Paul says to the church is we take captive every thought. We don't let thoughts just have their way with us. We don't let our feelings run wild with us. We take those thoughts captive and go, no, 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 this does not line up with the word of God. So I refuse to live in this space. I'm going to move forward and I'm not going to think this way any longer. This last passage here, Jesus says, look at the birds of the air. They don't sow nor reap nor gather into barns and near your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not worth more than they? See, one of the problems with worry is we fail to recognize our value to God. And what Jesus is asking here is, you see how the birds are taken care of? They're just birds, but yet God takes care of them. Do you, and he's saying, do you not believe that you're more valuable than these birds? And really what he's saying is, do you not understand your worth to God? Because if you understood your worth to God, you would understand he's not going to abandon you. If, if you understood how valuable you are to our Heavenly Father, you would understand that he is not going to forget about you. He's not going to neglect you. He's not going to leave you on your own. My girls, it, they will question things at times. And, and there's times that I have to go, you, do you think I would leave you unprotected? Do you think I would not take care of you? Do you think I would make you do this on your own? And really, I get a little offended because I want to say, do you not think that I'm valuing you that way, that I'm going to protect you, that I'm going to shield you, that I'm, and I want you to understand, we get to a place, sometimes we think maybe God's forgotten about us. Well, I don't know what my finances are going to look like, and I don't know if God's going to take care of it. I don't know what my job is. I don't know what my marriage is. I don't know how this is going to work out with school. Um, we've got a ton of IUP students that are wondering what this year is going to look like. And what happens is we begin to think that we're the only ones that care about it, that maybe God is far off in distance and he doesn't see what we're going through. But what we have to understand is we are far more valuable to God than we understand, than we realize. And if we would recognize our value in God, we would understand there's nothing to worry about. He goes on in verse 27 and says, and who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? Who, by being worried, who of you, by being worried, can add one hour to your life? This is what he's asking. What is the benefit of worry? What is the return? See, we make an investment in worry because we spend time and emotion and mental capacity imagining worst-case scenarios. And People are invested in the stock market, maybe your 401k, your retirement, whatever it is, and you see the market go up and down. What happens is you invest money and you want to get a return on your money. 
And what I'm telling you is with worry, we're making an investment. And what I'm asking you today is what is your return on that investment? No matter how bad the market is, your return on worry is even worse, I promise you. Because worry benefits us not at all. There is no return for us when we invest in worry. And Jesus is asking this question, what do you get out of worry? How does it help you? How does it benefit you? How is your life improved by choosing to imagine the worst or think the worst about a situation or about a person or about a circumstance? There is no return on your investment other than pain, other than heartache. So what's your return? Verse 28 says this. He says, and why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, the reality is most of us didn't wake up today wondering if we were gonna have clothes to wear to church. Most of us had clothes that we could put on and wear to church. Um, so most of us don't struggle with, am I going to have clothes? But, but many people struggle with, do I have the right clothes? I gotta be honest with you, I'm sort of a slave to fashion, if you couldn't tell. I mean, these are some of my fanciest chucks I've got. And uh, I just, I just can't help it. I'm just a slave to the way I look and my appearance. And no, I'm just kidding. Obviously, I'm kidding. Um, but the reality is many people are. We're worried about if I, if I wear this kind of outfit, if I wear this kind of shirt, what are they gonna think about me? And this is the same idea. Why are we worried about this kind of thing? Why are we worried about who will impress or what they'll think? And let's take it a step further. Maybe it's not about our clothes. Maybe it's about what kind of car we drive. Maybe it's about where our house is, what neighborhood we live in, what kind of school our kids go to. Maybe it's what social class am I in. All these things are things that many people worry about. And they're all, these are all things that I think Jesus would say, why are you worried about that? Why are you concerned about that? Because what Jesus says here that I love, he says, um, hey, he closed the lilies of the field and what he says is, um, they're alive one day and they're thrown into the furnace the next. What he's saying is they're temporary. They're, they're moment, they're gone. And he's saying, why, why are you concerned? Why are you worried? If God takes care of something that's so temporary, why are you concerned? And what he does is he draws our attention to this idea that we worry about things that are temporary that don't really matter in this grand scheme of life. There are things that we worry about. Then we look at the scale of eternity. We go, why should I be worried about this if this doesn't even really matter in the cosmic sense? Why am I worried about what kind of shirt I'm wearing today if, if it doesn't really matter for eternity? Why do I stress over this? Why am I worried about the kind of car I drive if it really doesn't matter in the scale of eternity? We worry about things that we shouldn't be worrying about. Whether it's the clothes we wear, the, the car we drive. Verse 31, Jesus says, do not worry then saying, what will we eat, what will we drink, what will, uh, what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added 
to you. This passage is interesting because what he says is he kind of draws this delineation between uh, non-believers thinking and believers thinking. And and it's interesting because he says, the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. So he said, hey, all the things you're worried about that are temporary, all the, all the just trappings of this world, all the things we think matter and we get stressed out and worried about, the acceptance and the, the stuff and all the things, he's saying the world wants those things. That's something they seek after. In fact, let me read this to you in the New Living Translation. This is what Jesus says. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows your needs. So he says, all the stuff of this world, all the worries that seem so common, they should not be common for believers, but they are so common for unbelievers. Why is that? Because their value is what we see and what we feel and what we can accumulate. And what Jesus is saying is, as believers, we should not value things the way the world values things. We should have a cosmic view and we should be able to say, you know what, what I love and what I value is not stuff, but it's the kingdom of God. So I'm I'm going to, view things differently. I'm going to value things differently. I'm going to love things differently. And because of that, I'm not going to worry about the things that this world worries about. I'm not going to concern myself in the same way that they're concerned. We should look differently. The bride of Christ should not be worried about the things the world is worried about. And what Jesus goes on to say is a passage many of you have heard and maybe you know. He says, seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All the things you think you need, no, I take it back. All the things you actually need will be added to you when you prioritize God's kingdom over your kingdom. And the world's thinking is, I'm gonna prioritize my kingdom first, and if we can fit God in somewhere else, we will. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Seek my kingdom first. Seek my righteousness first. Prioritize these things, and all these other things are going to be added to you. It's going to work itself out. It's going to fix itself. What he's saying is, if you prioritize my kingdom, worry will melt away. Because you're not worried about things you shouldn't be worried about. You're not concerning yourself with things that don't really matter. Verse 34 says this, so do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. (laughs) Man, so much stuff has been going on lately. Isn't it crazy how it feels like every day the news changes? How things change, there's new protocols, new things. Hey, uh, work's canceled, we're working online only, now we're gonna work part-time, you know, in the office. Hey, no, you know what, this is what the government is saying now, and we're not doing this, and like a week later, they're like, no, you know what, we changed our mind, we're doing this instead, and this has changed. The schools, we have no idea what's going on with the schools. Do I find a sitter, do I quit my job, do I, and we're wondering all these things, and it feels like it changes so often. And with all that in mind, Jesus says, tomorrow has its own troubles, right? Why are we worried about tomorrow? We got enough trouble for today. Let's worry about today and we'll worry about tomorrow when we get there is basically what he's saying. In the message version, I love what it says. It says, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Uh, What he's saying is focus on what God is doing right now and don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when times come. 
So what again, remember what we just said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. And then it comes back and says in the message version, give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. Focus on what God is doing instead of what's going on in the world and what's going on in the government, what's going on in society, what's going on in culture. Fix your eyes on Jesus in this moment and say, God, what are you doing right now? That's what I wanna be a part of. That's what I wanna value. That's what I wanna do. <laughs> Don't get worked up about what will happen tomorrow. I love what it says. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up when the time comes. And really what we're getting at today, and we'll get into this in a moment, this is trust. God, are you going to help me? Are you going to take care of this situation? Can I trust you with tomorrow? Because so many times we feel like we've got to fix tomorrow. We've got to put it together. We've got to have the answers. But it's amazing when we can trust God and say, God, I'm going to trust you to take care of tomorrow when we get there. There's a, a quote by John Newton, a theologian, a writer, and this is what he said. He said, we can easily manage if we only take each day the burdens appointed to it, but the load will be too heavy for us if we carry yesterday's burdens over again today and then add the burden of the morrow before we are uh, required to bear it. So what he's saying is this. Many of us, were carrying the burdens from, from yesterday and we're, we're piling on today's issues and then we're worried about tomorrow. And what he's saying is we were not wired to carry that kind of weight. We need God's help. And what God is telling us to do is set aside tomorrow. Forget about the past. My spirit is enough for you today. My grace is sufficient for you today in this moment. So we wonder why we feel so stressed. We wonder why we feel so anxious. It's because we're carrying too much of this load. We've gotta to begin to trust God and say, God, I don't need to have all the answers. I don't need to know what tomorrow holds. I trust you. In Philippians chapter four, verse six and seven, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I don't know if, I don't know if you heard that. It says, do not be anxious about anything. It didn't say, don't be anxious about little things, but be anxious about the big things. It says, don't be anxious about anything. There is nothing in your life that's worthy of worry. Now, you might argue with me. You'd be wrong, but you can argue with me if you want. Well, what Scripture says is it's pretty explicit. There is no reason for us to worry if we're children of God. We can trust him. So what he says is, no matter how big a situation you think it is, it's not worthy of worry. So, so what about COVID-19? No, it's not worthy of worthy. Uh, no, worthy of worry. We don't have to worry about that. It's going to work itself out. Do we really trust God with it? Well, what about, what about, what about, what about? All the things, I get it, I understand. I'm not blind, I see the news. But what we see here, Paul writing to the Philippian church is this explicit call to do not be anxious about anything. There's nothing that we should be anxious about. We shouldn't be anxious about the elections this fall. <laughs> Can I tell you something? 
No matter who wins the election this fall, no matter who is in the White House, that doesn't change one single thing for me. Because no matter who is in the White House, it doesn't change the king who's sitting on the throne. (laughs) One person over here was like, yeah, that's good. And the rest of you are like, okay, all right, yeah, I guess. I'll agree with that. It's true. Why would I be worried, worried if Donald Trump is reelected or Joe Biden is elected? I'm not going to worry about that because that is not something that matters in the cosmic scale of things. Now, it matters for us in this moment right now in partisan politics and discussions and all those kind of things, but in the grand scheme of things, why would I give my heart to worry about those things? Am I gonna vote? Absolutely. Am I gonna look at all the issues? Absolutely. But am I going to worry about it? No, I'm not going to lose one moment of sleep over the elections. I can promise you that. What about all the tension between ethnicities? Am I going to worry about it? No, I'm going to do my best. I'm going to try to reconcile people. I'm going to work together with people that that look and think and act differently than me. But I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to let my heart be gripped by fear. Finances, this is one we mentioned earlier, it's so easy to worry about finances, but do you know what? If I'm faithful with what God has given me financially, if my heart is right before God, I know that he's gonna work things all together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So why would I be worried? Why would I care about these things and I can care about them, but I shouldn't care too much to where it overwhelms me? So all these things that seem like such huge issues in our world, What Paul's saying is, do not be anxious about anything. And he goes on to say, but in everything, with everything that comes our way, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So what he's saying here, I love this. The antidote for worry in your life is here in Scripture. Because I want you to know this. Um, Race issues were not invented in the United States. Did you know that? They are not new to our culture. <laughs> they, they didn't pop up in 2020. Global pandemics, those are not a new thing. Did you know those have been around as long as humans have been around? Yeah. All these things that Paul says, don't be anxious about anything, it's not new to us. Paul was telling the, the Philippian church, don't be worried about your job situation. Don't be worried about global pandemic. Don't be worried about the race issues that are evident in the church and outside the church. What he's saying is don't be anxious about those things. And here's the antidote to this anxiety or this worry. He said, be praying, right? Doesn't this sound like rocket science? Like, whoa, prayer, who could have thought of that? But in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. So the first thing is this, prayer. What is prayer? Very simply stated, prayer is a conversation with God. For many of us, prayer is like the emergency flare. It's like, uh, I equate it when I, was, when I was in high school and I would go into a class, maybe even in college, I'd go into class and they'd say, okay, students put away your stuff, get out a pencil, it's time for a test. And I would go, oh my gosh, I didn't study for the test. And this is where, you know, like symbolically I'd fire off the flare to God and and it'd be like, help, help, right? And we will make deals with Jesus. Jesus, if you'll help me do well in this test, I promise I'll go to church every Wednesday night to youth. I will, I will never kiss a girl ever again. I will do whatever you ask me to do. Just help me do well in this test. And I would love to say we grow out of that, but we don't grow out of that, do we? 
You get to the office and the boss says, hey, I need to see you in my office as soon as you can. You go, <gasps> right? Help! God! I'll, do, I'll start going to church every weekend. I'll actually go through growth track, I promise. Whatever it takes, just get me out of this moment. That's not prayer. That's a type of prayer, but that's not real prayer. Real prayer is, is praying to God, talking to God, and listening to God. So what happens many times for us in prayer is we just talk to God, and then we don't give him time to talk back. So we, we fire off our needs. I need you to do this and this and this and this, and make me comfortable, make me happy, and take care of this. Amen. And we're done. We go, man, I prayed. I did a good job. But God's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I, there's some things I wanted to tell you. So prayer needs to be us talking to God, us thanking God, us being in alignment with God, us telling him our needs, uh, and then going, okay, God, now what do you want to say to me? And just listening and waiting for him to speak to you. Or maybe it's getting in the word of God so you can see what he's saying to you. That's prayer. Talking to God, hearing from God. Very basically, very simply. Prayer. Supplication was the next thing. So he said, in everything by prayer and supplication. So what is supplication? Well, supplication is a type of prayer. Supplication typically is praying for our personal needs. So um, intercessory prayer is another type of prayer. I'm grateful for our prayer team here. We have an inter intercessory prayer team that they pray specifically for you. Did you know that? That they pray during services. They pray for the people that are hearing the word of God, that are worshiping. They're praying for you. They're praying for me while I'm preaching. Why? Because they're interceding on our behalf. And I love this type of prayer because it's totally selfless. They're not benefiting from it, getting anything out of it, but they're interceding for us. So there's intercessory prayer. Um, and what we see here with supplication, this is a personal prayer. And the words that are used for supplication in Scripture, um, a literal interpretation could be humble pleading. And so... Um, this sounds like begging, but it's not. Uh, this is us going to God and continuing to go to God. So I've talked to people who say, well, I'm not gonna continue to pray for this. God is good, he's sovereign. I prayed this one time and I don't need to pray anymore. He knows. You're right, he does. He's sovereign and he is omniscient. He knows everything. But the point of prayer is not to change God's heart and mind. It's the, to change my heart and mind. So when I bring my needs to the Lord and I go, God, you see my child who's far from you. God, you see um, my job situation. You see my, you see my marriage, whatever it is. I bring these things to the Lord. Yes, God knows them before I even ask. And I pray, God, work in this. I take this situation, whatever it is. And then I come back and I pray it again. And I come back and I pray it again and I continue to seek him and I continue to ask. <clears throat> Excuse me, I'm not begging him. And God's not gonna like finally wear down. It's not like your kids when they go, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom, hey mom. And you're like, fine, you can have cake for breakfast, right? Like whatever it is, that's not how God is. He's not gonna wear down over time. What happens is we wear down over time. We begin to pray. We're praying in, a, in supplication, God, Work in this situation. Work in this situation. God, I trust you. God, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I'm asking you to do this, but I'm going to trust you no matter how it works out. And what happens is our hearts begin to shift and our hearts begin to come into alignment with what God has for us. Because again, it's not about moving God, it's about moving us. And praying prayers like, I'm asking you to work, but I'm going to trust you even if you don't work the way I want you to work. 
So prayer, supplication, and let's be honest, before I get into Thanksgiving, let's be honest. When we're worried, so many times for myself when I'm worried about something, if I pause, if I take a step back, I'll realize I haven't even been praying about it. If, if I spend as much time praying about things that I've worried about, my heart would be right. I would be fine. But what happens is I worry and I hang on to that. Well, what's going to happen? How's it going to be? And how's this going to work out? And I've got to fix it. But if I will take my needs to God in prayer and supplication, he begins to work. The third thing is this. So he says, prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. One of the problems with thanksgiving is we think thanksgiving is an event. It's something that happens once a year, and we eat turkey with people that we don't always like very much, and then we watch some football. Does anybody remember football? Um, <laughs> and we watch football, and then we fall asleep on the couch, and then we eat leftovers for three days. That's Thanksgiving. But, but what we have to understand is believers, Thanksgiving should be an integral part to our daily lives. It should be sprinkled into everything we do. Every prayer, every interaction should be seasoned with thanksgiving. We should walk in thanksgiving daily, understanding that everything I have is from God. Every good thing I have is because God is good. So what happens when we begin to worry is we shut off the valve of thanksgiving in our lives. It is impossible to be thankful and worried in the same time. You can't. So what happens is we forget about all that God has done for us and we begin to worry. So when I say with thanksgiving, we are thankful for what God has done. Because if we will take a step back, so many times we're worried about situations that God has worked in in the past. God has done something similar in the past. If we'll just step back, we'll go, man, you know what? I've got a financial situation today. Do you remember when God fixed that financial situation before? I didn't know how I was gonna come through, how I was gonna pay the bill, how I was gonna work things out. I was without a job and God gave me a job. Oh yeah, thank you God that you did that before. Thank you that you, you're faithful, that I don't have to worry about what's gonna to happen tomorrow. So what happens is we're thankful for what's happened in the past and we're thankful in advance for what's gonna happen in the future. It's amazing what will happen in our lives when we begin to thank God for what he will do. So what happens with worry is we can't see beyond the moment. We can't see beyond this moment, this second right now, what's gonna happen with everything, I don't know, and we're roadblocked. And what being grateful for what God's going to do in the future allows us to do is look beyond. There's a story about John Wesley, one of the fathers of the modern church. And the story goes that John Wesley was walking with another man. And they were walking through the countryside. And the man was sharing with Wesley about all the problems and issues and troubles that this man was dealing with. And how worried he was. And they noticed this cow. And this cow was stretching and craning its neck over this stone wall. And, and Wesley points out the cow and he said, do you know why that cow is looking over the wall? And the man responded and said, no. And Wesley said, the cow is looking over the wall because she cannot see through it. That is what you must do with the wall of trouble. Look over it. And what happens so many times is this worry is a wall in front of us and we can't see anything beyond it. But if we will look back and go, man, God, you've been so good, so faithful in the past, it allows us to look beyond the wall. We can crane our neck over that wall, over our worry, over the things that are going on in this moment. We can see in the future and go, God, I don't know what it's gonna look like, but I know you're faithful. I know you're good. I know I can thank you right now for what you're gonna do and where you're gonna take me. So I don't know what this situation looks like, but I know I can trust you. 
So God, I'm gonna put my trust and hope and faith in you in this moment. In Philippians 4, 19, uh, again, in this context, Paul's talking to the Philippian church about God's provision, financial provision. And he says this, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. This is reason to be thankful. He doesn't say he is supplying, he's saying he will supply. No matter what you need, no matter what your worry, because really worry is about a lack. I don't have enough money, I don't have enough time, um, I don't have enough grace in my marriage to work this marriage, whatever it is, I, I need something. I don't have enough. And what this passage is telling us is God's got resources beyond what we need. My God will supply every need of yours, every need of yours, every need you have, every lack you have. He says, my God will supply according to his riches in glory. He's got the resources that you need. Now, he might solve a problem that's different than the one you think you have. He might solve your real problem. Because you might go, I've got financial issues. And he goes, no, 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 no. You've got trust issues. You might say, I've got a marriage issue. And he goes, no, 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 no. You've got a heart issue. But everything you need, he's got the resources for. He's not short. I'm grateful that he doesn't say, he's going to supply every need according to your resources. Oh, no. No, no, no. That's not good, right? He says, no, every need you've got, God will supply according to his resources, his riches in glory. This is about Thanksgiving. God, you haven't solved my problem yet, but I believe you will. I'm going to give you thanks in advance for what you're going to do. I hate math. Does anybody else hate math? That's one of the reasons if my girls were younger and we were homeschooling them, we would struggle. It's like... I don't like math very much. There's a, a formula when we look at this passage of Scripture that seems to make a lot of sense to me. So Scripture says, in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made to know God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This formula would say, prayer plus supplication plus thanksgiving equals the peace of God which passes all understanding. See, the, the peace of God that passes all understanding, I, I believe if you're a follower of Jesus, you've probably experienced it at some point or another. Maybe it was in a difficult time in your marriage and you thought, man, I should be stressing out about this, but I don't know why, I just feel a peace. Maybe it was in a loss of a loved one and people were like, man, you seem so strong right now. I can't explain, it's just the peace of God, I just have a peace. Maybe, maybe something's going on with your kids and they're kind of running from the Lord. You're like, I know I should be laying awake at night, but you know what, God, I, I, don't, I just got a peace. It's the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. We don't understand it. We can't put the pieces together to reason away not to worry. We just don't worry because of the peace of God. Now, I love this because it says the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. When I look at this, I think about the secret service. In the secret service, they work tirelessly to ensure that nothing happens to the president. 
They, they take extreme measures and steps. They will go in advance, months ahead of time, to scout out locations to make sure that they can protect the president, even at the cost of their own lives. And this is what I'm imagining, that the peace of God goes before us. It surrounds us. It's a canopy over us. That the peace of God is a shield and protection for us. It guards us against everything the enemy wants to bring against us. Because I want you to know something. One of the biggest tools of the enemy in your life is worry. He wants you to worry. Because if you are worrying, you're not trusting God. So the question is, is worry a sin? Yeah, I, I believe it is a sin. Now it doesn't seem nearly as bad as murder, right? Or infidelity in a marriage or something like that. But the reality is, it is a sin. Last week, we talked about 1 John chapter 3. And in 1 John chapter 3, it said, those who practice sin also practice lawlessness. And we talked about that word practice. And the word practice, uh, it's, it's a Greek word, it's poieo, and poieo means to produce something. And really what it's saying is, what are you producing? That was my question for you last week. Because what we produce is evidence of what's going on in our heart. So whatever comes out of me is evidence of what's in me. So if worry is coming out of me, what is resident in me is a lack of trust in God. And we don't like saying these kind of things, but what happens is I'm saying I trust myself more than I trust God when I'm worrying. I trust myself to take care of the situation more. And that's why I'm worried because I'm not sure if I can. But if I really trusted God, I would let him take care of it. So what's happened is effectively I've taken God off the throne and I've put, my, put myself there. Said God can't take care of the situation, but I will. So I can't trust God in this situation. I'm gonna take care of it. So the real question today is, who am I trusting with an unknown future? Who am I trusting with my tomorrow? Am I trusting God or am I trusting myself? Because if you are living a life of worry, that is contrary to the way a child of God should live. We should live with a peace that passes all understanding. Now, is every day gonna look like that? No, you're gonna have good days and bad days. But for us as believers, the question is, who do I trust? Where am I putting my faith? Where am I putting my hope? If you're here today and you're living in worry, you're living in fear, I, I believe we're gonna pray at the end of this service and you're gonna be set free from worry today. Maybe you're here and you've never really surrendered your life to Christ and this comes back to a trust issue. Do you trust God with your salvation, with your future, with your eternity? And if not, today is your day to begin that process, to begin that step and say, God, I trust you with my everything I am. I, I surrender it all to you. That's what I wanna invite you into today. So if you would, bow your head and close your eyes. Lord, thank you for loving us so much. Thank you for giving your son for us, not just to save us from hell, to send us to heaven someday, but to give us a life on earth that is beyond what we can imagine. Thank you that Jesus came to be our peace. Thank you that because of what he did, we can walk in peace that passes all understanding today. So God, we repent of the times, corporately God, we repent of the times that we've tried to fix our situations on our own, that we've tried to manipulate, that we've tried to work things out, that we've tried to scheme to make things work. And God, we've failed to trust you. So Lord, 
today we repent of that. We turn away from that. And we're asking you to forgive us. Forgive us of worry. Forgive us of not trusting you with things that we should be trusting you with. Forgive us for worrying about things that really don't matter in the scale of eternity. God, help us to be concerned about the right things. Help us to value the right things, love the right things. And God, I pray that um, we, as your children, would not lose sleep over things that we shouldn't, that we would not look at things and worry about things the world worries about. So God, I just pray supernatural peace on the people in this room, the people watching online. I pray that, that believers in this house and online would experience a supernatural peace like never before, that every situation that they're stressed about and worried about, they would lay it down and they'd begin to trust you with it in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those that have never surrendered their lives to you, let today be the day that they trust you with everything and they experience your peace that passes all understanding. So with your head bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna ask, if you're here today and you'd say to me, Mel, I'm not really walking with God, but I know I need to be. I'm not in relationship with Jesus because the truth is I've never really trusted him with my heart and with my life. But today I know there's a separation, there's a gap between me and God. And I wanna experience the peace that you talked about today. And the only way I can experience that is through Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, Mel, I want you to pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I'm not going to make you come forward or embarrass you. I just want to pray with you where you're at. So if you're saying to me, Mel, I want to be included in this final prayer, would you just stretch your hand up real high where I can see it? And you can put it right back down. If you say, Mel, pray for me. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to surrender it all to him today. Maybe you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm a believer. I know I'm going to heaven, but the truth is I'm struggling with worry. There's a situation, circumstance. Maybe it's just in general, the world we live in, you're dealing with worry and you want the Holy Spirit to help you drive worry out of your life. Would you be bold enough to slip your hand up and let me pray for you this morning? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of hands, a lot of hands. Yeah, thank you. God, I thank you that we can trust you. God, we are not unable to trust, but many times we're unwilling to trust. So God, I pray right now in the name of Jesus, you'd begin to, to break down our insecurities, our fears, our worry, and help us see how valued we are by you. To help us to see how much we are loved by you, that there is no reason for us to worry because we are your sons and daughters. God, I pray that you would help us see clearly over the wall of worry in our lives. Help us see clearly that you are working right now, that you've worked in the past and that you will work in the future. And God, I pray as we are drawn into you, God, worry would melt away. So God, I pray that our first response to worry would be to pray. To, to supplicate, to bring our needs before you and to thank you for what you're doing, what you have done and what you will do. I pray that that would break the power of worry in our lives. Let your Holy Spirit move right now in this place. God, I pray that this house would be a worry-free zone, that God, our faith would rise up, that we would see how you're working and what you're doing and we would put our full trust in you today. So God, move in us. Those that raise their hands, those that are watching online, help us experience your supernatural peace like never before.
It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, guys, thank you for worshiping with us today. If you'd like prayer for any reason at all, the simplest thing for you to do, you can either fill out the card that's in the seat back in front of you, or if you're watching online or you're here in the room and you'd like, you can simply email your prayer need to prayer at summitpa.church. Let us know about that need, and we're gonna help you and pray for you. Our prayer team, our staff will be agreeing with you in prayer. If you're watching online and you're watching from our church online platform and you'd like live prayer right now, somebody can pray with you, uh, hit the live prayer button on your screen. And uh, one of our hosts are gonna pray with you about whatever may be going on in your life. So thank you for joining us online today. We really do appreciate it. We're grateful for you. Uh, guys, I tell you every week, I hope, I hope it never gets old for you because I mean it every week. I love you guys so much more than you know, and I'm so glad I get to be your pastor. God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week.